0: Well good morning again. oh come on <laughs> good, morning. good morning oh i I need that. I got up at five o'clock this morning it was a, It was a great call <laughs> uh, Daryl <clears throat> oh but i'm I'm really am I'm, I'm glad to be helping Tom out and please be in prayer for him he 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 uh he was really wanting to come and preach on hell this morning. That's what he... Uh, <laughs> we're not going to be... You're looking at your... If you're looking at your uh, bulletin, we're not, we're not preaching on Matthew. We're not preaching on uh, uh, hell this morning. We're going to be looking instead at a passage from Luke, Luke chapter 19. And as I was uh, uh, thinking about our, where we are in our sermon series, uh, the reason for hope and sharing, what, what is, why is it that we don't share our faith as much as we, we think we should, um, sharing our faith with people that are, that are different from us, people that are outside the context of the church. It occurred to me, maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about those, those of us that, that do have a connection to the church. Um, we need to hear the gospel too, don't we? Because there are times that we're connected to, to our, our traditions and to, to the institution of the church somehow, but, but we kind of wander off. And we need to be reminded that God is seeking the lost. He's seeking us. Um, And uh, we're going to do that this morning by looking at the story of Zacchaeus. And to help me with this, I've asked one of my daughters to come help me. So, Olivia, would you please come here? For those of you who have not met my daughter, this is Olivia. Yes. And she's, she's part of a set. She has an identical twin sister who will help me the second service. So, uh, Livy, would you tell us how tall you are? Five foot. She is five foot tall. And uh, this has been a discussion in our house because we're starting to think she turned 15 on Tuesday, right? It was Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're thinking maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is about as, as big as she's going to get. Uh, and, and so, you know, and we're fine with that. And what do we say? What do we say about that? Small things come in good sizes. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Good things come in small small sizes. sizes. Sorry. I didn't get that right. I didn't get that right. And, uh, maybe some of you have, have a similar feeling, you know, you're not as tall as you would like to be, but it's okay because good, good things come in small sizes. Thanks very much for your help today. Okay. Now, remember how tall she is, because that's going to come up later. Now, you're probably familiar with Zacchaeus, because you, if you grew up in the church, you learned a song, right? How many know that song? Some of you? So let's just sing a little bit of it together. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Okay, we're okay. Just, we all got it. We all got it. I could tell some people. Were, I could see. I could hear it. They're going. They want to sing the whole thing. And and that's our that's our exposure to Zacchaeus. It goes on to say that, you know. The Lord was passing his way, and he looked up in the tree, and he says to Zacchaeus, Come down, for I'm coming to your house today. I'm coming to see you. It's a simple, maybe even uh, a silly song. And as adults, it it might actually distract us uh, with the fun of it from the deep and complicated nature of this man who he was and what was going on with them. Who was he? He was a tax collector. Uh, for an occupying force, which meant he was a collaborator with the Romans, the Roman Empire who were oppressing uh, the nation of Israel. He's a man who became wealthy from that collaboration, a man who may have abused his power in acquiring that wealth. He was also a man of small stature, it says in the scripture, really short. Uh, and in a, he, was, he was living in a culture where uh, physical peculiarity was not was not celebrated, it was derided, and it was seen as perhaps a sign of God's judgment. So um, when we sing that song, as fun as it is, as adults, we may miss the profound power of Jesus' simple actions and statement. And our kids would get it right away, but we often miss it. Miss it. When he says to, Zac- to Zacchaeus, I see you. I see you. I want to be with you. Let's see if we can catch the sense of this as we read Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse 1. It's talking about Jesus now. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this passage this morning, and we do pray that by your Spirit you would open up to us its, its meaning, its application to our lives. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have to teach us this morning through this encounter Jesus has with Zacchaeus. And through it, Lord, may we be made more like Jesus. We pray it in his powerful name. Amen. Now, my kids, uh, when someone comes over to visit, this is maybe more true when they were a little bit younger, but it's still kind of true. When people would come over to visit, uh, they would get very, very excited. When when other kids came over to play, uh, they were just full of anticipation for these people coming over. Uh, And and if you're you're anything like me, uh, having people over is the occasion to make sure your house is clean. So, you know, there's a lot of preparation. Okay, we're going to get this house looking like we, we don't live like whatever you want to describe it as, and, and uh, uh, get ready for these people to come over. There, there's, there's food, there's preparation for activities, and then, and then once we're, we're ready, then there's the waiting. And in my house, there's a very busy street in front of my house, and some of it's obscured by these large bushes that are almost tree-like, so, so lots of cars come past, and it, you can't really see all the time real well through those bushes, so there's lots of false alarms. Oh, oh. oh no, that's not them. No, 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 that's not them. But then when finally they come, someone actually parks in front of our house or comes into our driveway and they come out. The kids just come yelling, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here. They're They're really excited that someone has come to spend time with them. You know, you feel validated. You know, people want to spend time with us. This is really wonderful. And it changes the whole mood of our house when, uh, when our kids got excited that way. When someone's coming over and as parents, you know, we see their joy and we think, isn't that, isn't that cute? Um, You know, maybe as parents, we're thinking of the mess that's going to be made and we just clean everything up. We're kind of tired and going to be a little grumpy about it. And, you know, life is more complicated than they're seeing it, Uh, but it's nice that they can enjoy this for the moment It'd be, it'd be nice if life was just as simple as becoming excited that someone's coming to visit us. But life isn't that simple, is it? What the story is telling us, what Zacchaeus is showing us, that maybe it, it can be that simple. Even for those of us distracted by the pains of this world and are wandering into hurt and to Disappointment. The point here is that God's attention and love for us can change everything. Let's talk about the man Zacchaeus first. Who was he again? Well, the, do- the gospel describes him as small in stature. That's what it says in verse 3. Now there's an economy in, uh, in ancient writing, A paper was, well there really, really wasn't paper, but things to write on were, were, was, were hard to come by. So. When they included it at tail, it, it, it was very important. So he was small in stature. What did that communicate? Well, the average height of a man in ancient Israel was probably about five six, Because of nutritional things, people were not as tall as they are today. So it's safe to assume that Zacchaeus was shorter than my daughter. Okay, you saw how tall she was? She was short. Zacchaeus was shorter than that. What impact might have... This hat on him as a man, or even as a boy uh, growing up. Were you short growing up? Did your friends notice that? Michael Parson uh, is a theologian at Baylor Divinity School, and he, wrote, he writes this. Luke's physical description of Zacchaeus as short in stature is usually given scant attention in scholarly literature. The reference is illuminated, however, when read in the light of, uh, get this, this, this term here, physiognomic consciousness. He's <laughs> just saying in light of the fact that people tend to judge you, you know, uh, on physical appearance. Um, when read red in light of that that, that, that permeated the ancient world and the rhetorical practice of using physical abnormalities such as shortness to ridicule one's adversary. That's just a very scholarly way of saying his friends probably made fun of him because he was short. Just like they do today. Right? Though perhaps it was more brutal and was carried, uh, carried into his adulthood with... Uh, Really, people thought thought God had judged him because he was different, because he was short. Nonetheless, despite his adversity, he became rich, it, said in, it says in verse 2. And we might describe him as a man who perhaps leveraged what gifts he did have uh, to overcome his adversity. Or maybe we can describe him as a weak person who betrayed his people to attain the power he never had in childhood. We don't know that for certain, but you know, we can speculate, was this some of what was going on in his, his, in his mind? Scripture notes also that he was not just a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector, which means he was in charge of other tax collectors. And you don't get that by being dumb. He was clever, so he did have gifts, and he leveraged those abilities to overcome his adversity. We might say he's a success story, right? Zacchaeus is a lost man. He's a wanderer. He's someone who has strayed from who he is, a child of God, a a, a citizen of of the nation of Israel. He has left that identity behind to collaborate with the enemy. He's not presented as someone who hates God or who is in defiant rebellion, but he does at least have disregard for his background, for his traditions, maybe even for the people around him. Another thing to note is that wealth in the ancient world, even among uh, Israelites, wealth was widely sought after. It was a means of wielding power. It was a means of wielding respect. And Zacchaeus had achieved that wealth. He had achieved, maybe, perhaps, in his mind, hoped for that some level of respect because of that wealth. But he was also a man who wasn't above doing things that uh, uh, that were considered shameful. <clears throat> you got to think about this little man who is wearing sort of a long tunic, you know, clambering up a tree. You know, it's not exactly um, a dignified thing. Ladies, when you're in a dress, are you eager to climb up a tree? No. You might be exposing things you don't want exposed as you go up the tree and, you know, But he wants to see Jesus, even if it's unbecoming, he does it. He's a man who maybe learned to rely on himself because no one else would help him. And his physical stature may have taught him that if you don't have strength, then you uh, ally yourself with one who has it. Maybe Maybe that's why he was a collaborator with the Romans. It's not in the text, but many people who abandon their identity, who betray their people, however you want to define that, to betray the natural family relationships they have to to achieve wealth, to achieve uh, status, it's often that they're filled with guilt about it too. Maybe even self-loathing. It doesn't say it in the text, but I wouldn't be surprised if Zacchaeus had this sort of tension about it in his life. And we miss it all. We miss that complexity. We miss the the nuances of him in that little song that we sing. He was probably a very, very complicated person. And in that complication, Zacchaeus wanted something different. Maybe he wanted something simpler. And he heard that Jesus was coming. He heard of Jesus' reputation of loving sinners, of preaching um, freedom for the captive. And he wants to see him. What about you? What's going on in your life? Are you telling yourself that your success should make you happy, but for whatever reason you're not? What have you had to sacrifice? What have you had to do to achieve the things you have achieved And in the midst of all that, is there a longing? Maybe it's faint, but somewhere inside you, maybe very deep, a longing for something, for someone to change the circumstances of your life, change them in ways that maybe you don't even know how they should be different. But you think, there's got got to be something different. There's got to be some change in my life. And what God wants you to know is that God is seeking you. Even if you grew up in the church. Even if you've been coming to church faithfully, but in your heart you know you're wandering off. He is seeking you. He wants to find you. Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus as well. To judge him. No, not to judge him. To love him. To make him a righteous man. To make him a man who's unconcerned about how tall he is. Now, you might ask, well, doesn't Jesus have more important things to do than to just, come ac- just meet one person in Jericho? Uh, and you might think so looking at the broader context of uh, the gospel of Luke. I- if you know the story of Luke, in Luke chapter 9, it says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So basically, from Luke chapter 9 to the end of the book, he is on his way to the cross. He's on this cosmic journey to redeem humanity. And that's what takes him through the city of Jericho. So Jesus is doing something really big. And yet, he takes the time to look up and notice one man. Someone that many people discount. People that uh, resent him for what he is. despite the magnitude of the trip, despite its importance, he notices Zacchaeus. Jesus looked up and that moment changed everything because Jesus saw Zacchaeus. There's a story uh, from my family. I don't need to go into all the relations here, but but, uh, but they're related to me. There was a little boy and a grandfather. And this little boy loved spending time with his grandpa. They would watch baseball together. It's a good, good baseball reference today on opening day. And they, you know, formed a really wonderful relationship around baseball. And then when that little boy started to play ball himself, grandpa would come and cheer him on and be in the stands just about at every game he could, he could be at. And there was this one game in particular um, that the little boy noticed. He's looking around for his grandfather. He doesn't see him. He's looking in the, the small little bleachers on the side, doesn't see him there. Down the, f- the, down the foul line along the fences there, doesn't see him. It's t- time for him to come up to bat. He's looking around, still doesn't see him. He gets up there, and he swings, and he connects. I mean, really connects. And that ball goes sailing, sailing over the right field fence. It's his first home run. And he's really excited about it, but it's, it's sad at the same time because his grandfather didn't see it. And then he comes around to first base, and he rounds first base, and he looks out in the center field, and he sees someone doing this, doing this. And it's his grandpa. He says, I see you. I see you. I saw what you did. And the boy was filled with joy. Now, Zacchaeus isn't doing something that's of great accomplishment here, but but Jesus looks to him says, so Zacchaeus, I see you. I know who you are. And I've come to spend time with you. That's what Jesus says to each one of you. By name. I see you, Diane. Jesus sees you. He sees you. He sees you. He's come to spend time with us. And he reminds us that though he is doing big things, big cosmic things, but that big cosmic thing actually is about you. It's about Zacchaeus because he's going to the cross to die for Zacchaeus. He's going to the cross to die for you. And he doesn't identify Zacchaeus as a man of small stature. He doesn't identify Zacchaeus as a rich man or as a collaborator or as a trader, how does he identify him? In verse nine, he says, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Salvation is for all the children of God. It's for you too. Because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And in so doing, Jesus points out to us that, again, that these big things that he has to do, this journey to Jerusalem, this journey to the cross is about us. And this simple expression of love, of seeing Zacchaeus and spending time with him, changed his life. Life. Verse 6, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now, I'm not trying to say here that love is this magical thing or that, or that things come easy when you're just nice to people. That's not what I'm trying to communicate But the sincere expression of real affection, because God has loved you, and you sincerely offer that to someone else, someone who has lost their way, God can use it to change people. To change selfish men who have lost their way, who have wandered off, looking people In the eye, being with them, even if they are people like Zacchaeus, even if they are greedy, even if they are an abuser of power, a cheat, a liar, an adulterer, a Republican, a Democrat, a Cubs fan. (laughs) Who are you? What has God redeemed you from in his trip to Jerusalem? Can you show that same love to others who look like they have everything but actually might be filled with self-loathing or maybe they feel reviled by the people around them? Might your simple act of recognition, of hospitality be a life-changing moment for them just like it was for Zacchaeus? Will you see that a life-changing event might be as simple as experiencing the love of Christ and someone here saying to you, hey, I saw you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be involved with your life, in your life. Yes, there is a big sacrifice in Jesus going to the cross, but it finds its first expression in saying hello and recognizing someone's humanity. Will you share that with someone today? Will you receive it from someone today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word you gave to us through the story of Zacchaeus, and we do pray. That you might impress upon us your love for us. That you see us. Not in a way that brings condemnation. But in a way that expresses love. And acknowledgement and recognition. And would that bring joy into our lives. That we might share that with other people. That it might change us and make us more like you. Would it change us in the ways that it changes Zacchaeus. And would we find our great joy not in our status, our wealth, or the things that we work very hard on on in this life to achieve significance? Would your love for us help, help us to see that those things are nothing compared to the gift of you and your presence and you coming to visit us in our home? Again, would your love and your presence change us? We pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.